I'd like to, last week was awesome. Pete set us up just talking about the circle maker, told us the story of Honi, which is this guy who first century BC, uh, there was no rain in the whole land. And so he stood in one spot and drew a circle and said, I swear by the Lord of heaven and earth, I will not leave this circle until there's rain. And he prayed for rain and rain came down. And that was the kind of the story of the circle maker. And we're learning together as a church how to pray big prayers. And so after our gathering, or during the end of our gathering last week, um, we invited you guys forward for prayer, or back word for prayer. And it was so cool. I was back there praying for some people, and it was so cool to see our church take steps of faith to receive prayer. Because something I'm kind of tired of in church is just coming and talking about God doing stuff. And then we send each other off to go then talk about God maybe doing some, something in our lives. But where does it actually happen? And if it's not actually happening here, where is it happening? So to be able to see people actually get prayed for and to pray for each other together is, like, for me, is just a really good sign that the Spirit is present, that God is doing things. And let's just keep taking steps of faith together as a church to learn how to pray for each other, how to ask for prayer. It's, it's a vulnerable thing to do to ask for prayer, but I want to encourage us that it's a good thing to do, and it's what God asks for us, to pray for each other. So today... At the end of, once I finish preaching, we're going to have a worship time. We're going to invite you backwards again to, uh, to, to pray. And so I just want to prepare you for that now, that if maybe you felt afraid last time to go for prayer, that it's okay. And, and you can kind of, you know, you, you can kind of be praying about that as, we, as I preach and as, as we worship about what, what could I use prayer for today. Um, but today, I'm going to, I just want to start off by uh, asking you a question. And this is a question that I learned to ask when I was part of a prayer team about 10 years ago when uh, a few of us would, would, would bring people in and we, uh, they would be coming in for prayer requests. And the first question we always asked them was, if you could ask Jesus for one thing today, what would it be? So I'll ask you that question right now. If you could ask Jesus for one thing today, what would it be? And I think this is a question that Jesus would ask, because we see in the Gospels, he, he goes up to like uh, a blind man and says, what do you want me to do for you? And really at the core of that question is, what do you want? What is your desire here? And I think the, the language of desire is not the kind of language you use when we talk about prayer. So I want to kind of unpack a story that, I was, uh, that I've been reflecting on for the last couple of weeks um, if you're following along in the Circle Maker, this story is in the book, um, and, and it's the story of the Israelites in Numbers 11, and uh, I want to give you some context, first of all. The Israelites are in Egypt, and they are under oppression and slavery, and they don't get any rest, and they have to work, 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 and they're being oppressed by uh, a, a government, uh, a, a pharaoh that is not their own, and God hears their cries, and he delivers them out of Egypt. And he delivers them out of Egypt and into the desert where they cry out to God and they go, we're starving, we're so hungry. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you manna for six days. And on the sixth day, I'm going to give you a double portion of manna so that you can collect for the next day for the Sabbath. So you don't have to work. So you don't have to be slaves anymore. And so they get the bread. And then he also sends quail. And he sends quail in abundance and they get filled. And then you get the Sinai scene. Where, Jesus, where God says, okay, you are now my people. I am your God. We have this contract now. I've led you out from, from your slavery, and I want to form a covenant with you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. 
And uh, there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happens around there. But the basic thing is they form a covenant with the living God. And then God leads them through the desert towards the promised land. And it's almost like as soon as he forms the covenant, the people continue to wander. Their hearts wander. Even right after the covenant, they begin to worship idols. And throughout the desert, they're continually complaining, turning back to God. And then we get to uh, Numbers 11, where the people are complaining about their food. And they're saying, we're hungry. We wish that we could be back in Egypt where we had fish and meat and we could eat at our heart's desire. And we wish we could be back there. And Moses pleads to God on their behalf. And then God sends an abundance of quail. Quail, like as far as the eye can see, like three feet high. And he says, go gather as much quail as you can. And everybody goes out and gathers quail and they start eating quail. And I wish that the story ended right there because it would be a lot simpler for us. Hey, if you are desperate for something, you're crying out for something, just pray to God and keep praying and he's just going to give you whatever you ask for, right? Just like the Israelites in the desert who are crying out for food and they cry, cry, cry and God says, fine, I'll give you food. God's going to give it to us. I would like to be able to say that that's how things work out. But the story doesn't end there. Literally the next verse says, while the meat was still in their teeth, God struck them down with a plague. Okay? That's how the story ends. He does not like the way that they complained about their food because he is their God. And they're basically saying, we wish we were still back in Egypt. Their desire is to be back in Egypt. They're addicted to their oppressors, their former oppressors. And how often is that the case for us? that we go into prayer and we have all kinds of desires, our hearts are divided, that, uh, that there's a part of us that does want the things of God to come in our life and, and there's a part of us that wants to pray for those things. But there's a whole other part of ourself that is addicted to those systems, to the oppressors, the, the slavery systems of the world, the things that, that uh, draw us, that capture us, that enslave us. And that part of ourselves comes into prayer too. And so when we just say, hey, just ask for anything from God, we have to first do a heart check and go, well, what's in my heart? What am I desiring? So James 4, if you can pull that up, Seth. James 4 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have... Because you do not ask God. You can go next one. And when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Next. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us. God jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us. He sees the heart he made, and he made it for relationship with himself. In the garden, God created Adam and Eve. Um, when it says they created human beings, the word there is literally living beings, that, that they were, they were uh, people who had been designed to live with the, the true God, the, the living God, and, and there was going to be like a closeness of relationship there. And they decided that they didn't want that. That instead they would, they would satisfy the desires of their hearts. And they turned away from God. 
And they said, we don't, we don't want this. But God didn't leave him at that. He's like, no, I, I want you. I want you. I, I want to pursue a relationship with you. And so God is continually making, uh, making uh, covenants with these people saying, I will be your God. Just turn away from these foreign idols, for these foreign gods. Turn away from them and come back. Come back to me. And, and that's, that's what God wants for our hearts. He wants, he wants us to not be, you know, have all these different desires of the things of this world. He wants our hearts to be solely focused on him. And I just have to say, there's been some stuff that we've been experiencing in our kind of extended spiritual family um, up in Grand Haven that has been, um, frankly, just really messy. Uh, there it, there's, um, without sharing too much, there's been misplaced desire in uh, parts of our missional community that has created, I mean, it would be nothing to write a newspaper article about. It's just a tiny little thing that this person gave into. And it has created a whirlwind, a hurricane of pain. And there are marriages, there's a marriage that's threatened. And there is relationships that are threatened. And there, his internal world is threatened. And we're dealing with all this as a group. And I say that to say the smallest amount of misplaced desire is seen, it's sin. <laughs> and it's equal to the greatest sin because it's all reflective of misplaced desire, not having God at the center of our hearts, not having our hearts pointed in the right direction. It's all sin because it all mis- betrays the trust and, be- and breaks the covenant that we had with God. So even the tiniest little thing. So we have to examine our hearts when we come into prayer to realize what are what do we actually desire in prayer? Or else we begin to pray, not your kingdom come, God, but the kingdom of Pharaoh come, the kingdom of the oppressor come. Just like the Israelites who are like, we wish that we could have food just like we had in Egypt. We end up praying the prayers of consumerism, praying prayers of racism, of capitalism, of individualism, of globalism. Of We, we end up praying and wanting our particular party, political party to win or wanting our house to get bigger, or whatever it is, we have to be careful about the desires that are in our hearts. We don't always desire good things. So back to the Israelites. God did not abandon them, even in that moment. God continued to lead them towards the promised land. Even when they got to the promised land, they turned away from him, and they kept turning towards foreign gods and idols. Um, serving the God of their stomach, as Scripture says. And God did not abandon them. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to rescue his people. So I want you guys to hear this morning that there is grace in this. That Jesus comes and he says to, to these people, um, look, turn away from, from, the, from these gods that you serve. Like, uh, go to uh, the next Scripture passage, please. So I want to zoom into Luke 9, because there's a couple stories I want to view in here. The big, in Luke 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 23 to 25, it says this. This is Jesus talking. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to meet my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now you can flip to the end of chapter 9. 
This is later in the same chapter. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Next. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Can you hear Jesus speaking against that divided heart? Saying, you are so distracted by the things of this world. You're so attached to all these other things of this world. And I want you to be solely focused on me. Follow me. Don't look at all these other things. In fact, you have to die to yourself. Let those things go and just follow me. But right in between these two passages, we see this amazing story. And this kind of redeems some of the Israelite story. Between these two passages, we see Jesus leading this big crowd of people through the desert, through a remote region, and they're hungry. And they're following, they're listening to Jesus' words. They're feeding off his every word. And Jesus notices that they're hungry, and he feeds them, feeding them the 5,000. And in fact, there's leftovers that the disciples get to collect. And Jesus does not strike them down with a plague. Okay, so Jesus is actually providing them with everything they need. And as I look at this in contrast to the story of the Israelites, I realize these people were following Jesus even though they're hungry. That they actually did set aside their stomach for a second. They did set aside their greed and they were pursuing Jesus, listening to his every word. And Jesus took care of all their needs. So seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added into you, right? And it reminds me of um, Psalm 23, where David says, um, do we have Psalm 23? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Here are these people walking through a remote region, hungry, and instead of turning around and going back to their homes, um, they actually follow Jesus, and all their needs are met, because Christ is meeting all of their needs. And Jesus, uh, later in Luke, a couple of chapters later, actually um, teaches them how to pray. And this is what I want to focus in on today. If you can go to Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. We're in a series about learning how to pray big prayers. And when I think of this prayer, it feels, if I'm just being honest, it feels like a small prayer. It's something I memorized as a kid. Who else memorized the Lord's Prayer as a kid or later? Yeah. So you guys are mostly familiar with this prayer and maybe can say it with your eyes closed, not even thinking about it. And especially this passage about giving us today our daily bread, it seems like, okay, God, I'm just going to get by with whatever you have to give me. It does not feel like a honey prayer, does it? Like, circle this, you know, make a big circle in the sand, and I'll just take daily bed, please. Like, that does not seem to fit in with the series. Um, but I feel drawn to this prayer because there is a word in this prayer that just, like, bugs me. 
And it's the word daily. If you look up in the Greek, obviously the Greek is not English. It's a different word. Um, the word is epiusion. And this word is nowhere else found. It's like some people think that the gospel writer just made up this word. Does anyone else make up words on occasion? I make up words too. But this person was making up this word. Um, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The only other time that uh, this, is, this word is used is when um, they, they found, like an archaeologist found, like a grocery list. And the woman had written down, like for her husband, go pick up tomorrow's bread. The bread we need for tomorrow, go pick it up. Epiusion. Uh, Epiusion is, can be translated not just daily, but super daily. The bread that we need, the bread we rely upon for our existence. Daily is not, give us today our daily bread, give us these piecemeal offerings that we can just kind of grab onto and just survive. The daily bread is the super daily bread. It's the anticipation that one day Jesus will return and have a banquet, have a feast. That's our bread that we're anticipating. And he's saying to ask for that bread today. Saying, don't just wait for heaven to come. Don't just wait for Jesus to come back someday. Ask for that bread now. Tomorrow's bread, we want it today. And so when we see somebody who is sick, uh, May Wan is in the hospital right now, like literally. So we pray, God, that you would just, I mean, right now, call down heaven that, that um, the future healing that you have for May Wan would be his now. Right? The, the future redemption of all things where Mewan's body is raised up to life and healed forever. There will be no more crying and no more tears and no more pain. That's going to happen one day. And so we pray in faith and we say, God, don't just wait until then. Let's have it now. We need our super daily bread now. That's our prayer. Um, kids get this. right? I'm making pancakes with, with my daughter, Jane, and, and I'm, I'm like... I pour the batter on, and I spill a little bit. And you guys ever do that and have like a little piece that comes off, and it cooks faster than the rest of it? And Jane's like, I want that one right now. Like, don't wait until the pancakes are all flipped. Like, give me that, that little tiny pancake now. And so I, I pull it off and let it cool down, and I give it to her. And she like eats that while I'm cooking, okay? That's the super daily pancake, okay? <laughs> That's the epiusion pancake, the, the little tiny pancake that she gets for now while she's waiting for the rest of the pancakes that are just like it, okay? Last night, we had a Halloween party, and it's not Halloween, but we're like, we're all going to wear our costumes because it's not enough for us to just wait for Halloween. We're going to act like it's Halloween now because none of us are available that night, right? So we all get together, and we have a Halloween party. That's an Epiusion Halloween party, okay? Um, I'm thinking of, like, Christmas, uh, when I was a kid, we would have Christmas morning and we open all our presents. But the Christmas Eve, we would always say, can we just open one present? Okay, we can open one present. That's our Epiusion present, that we get to have it now. The, the gifts that we're going to get in the future, we get to take hold of now. The Israelites, when they're traveling through the desert and they get bread, they, they, they know there's going to be a Sabbath rest. And so instead of just waiting for that Sabbath rest, on the day before, they get to collect a double portion that'll carry them through until the Sabbath and they get to feast on the Sabbath because they collected early. And Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer, which seems to be a very boring prayer to ask for the daily bread, Jesus is saying that heavenly feast that you long for, 
when all things will be made new, when the Messiah will come, and he's going to renew all and restore all of creation. Ask for that now and today. Philippians 3 says this. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. Remember we talked about how our hearts are divided and we bring this into prayer, that we desire earthly things. And I wonder if he's even talking not just the people who are enemies of the cross of the crisis and people who don't know Jesus, but people who know Jesus and yet ask for the same systems and the same, uh, the same uh, gods that they served before that had enslaved them. Their stomach, their greed, their selfishness. But Paul says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where our hearts really are. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is what God is saying, that one day our bodies will be transformed. That if we're dealing with sickness and pain, death, uh, brokenness of relationship, disease, that one day our lowly bodies will be transformed, be like his glorious body. That is going to happen one day. And we eagerly await a Savior from heaven. We eagerly await. Where are our hearts? Are our hearts eagerly awaiting a Savior who's going to redeem all things? Or are we kind of caught up in the systems of the world, the things that we see around us? Where are our hearts? And how does this happen? How does it happen that we become people who desire this? That's kind of what I started to ask myself. It's like, okay. Eagerly await. I don't feel like I always eagerly await God. So am I just supposed to pray more? Am I just supposed to muster up a bunch of faith on my own and just pray bigger prayers? Uh, let's go back to Luke 11. Uh, forward, I guess. It's the next slide. Luke 11. So this is back. The, we just read the Lord's Prayer. Right? Give us today our super daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We give us... For, sins of others. Lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, just after he finishes teaching them about prayer, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Continue. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And, to the, one who not, and the one who knocks, sorry, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, We'll give him a snake instead. Or he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, I want you to not just try to pray more. I want you to not just try to be a better Christian or just try to muster up a bunch of faith. 
Jesus is saying, I want you to ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the deposit of the heavenly kingdom that we're waiting for. That glorious day when Jesus returns, we have been given a deposit of that. That's the Holy Spirit in us. That Jesus was that when he lived on earth, a man fully empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. That heaven and earth were completely overlapped in Jesus. And we got to see what it looked like, heaven on earth, through Jesus. And a piece of that has been given to each one who believes. Um, when I was a baby, uh, my grandfather baptized me. Actually, he baptized me and my twin brother at the same time. And, uh, and that, to me, is a symbol of when I became a believer. That, that I believe that in baptism, the Holy Spirit comes, not just in water, but um, into my heart. That God puts a deposit in my heart. That's actually what it says in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, if you go to that. Um, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So my grandfather baptized me. And at that moment, I believed that the Holy Spirit came and filled my heart. It was a deposit of heaven on earth. And as I grew up, um, I kind of, I don't know, didn't really recognize that. I, I think I didn't really fully live into that or, or celebrate that. And so when I was in college, I actually rekindled a relationship with my grandfather. And the same person who baptized me as a child and who, who petitioned for the Holy Spirit to come upon me was now praying for me as a college student, praying for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I experienced. That was my experience. That was part of my faith journey is that I renewed a relationship with my grandfather and I also renewed a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That there is a deposit in our hearts by faith that God gives to us. It's a gift that the hope for heaven, the promise of heaven is actually already in our hearts. So 2 Corinthians 18, uh, 1, 18 through 22 says this. Uh, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. I wanted to visit you on my way back to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. We don't like have doubts about these kinds of things. Um, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen was spoken by us to the glory of God. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God made promises to us as a people that he would be our God and we would be his people. And he is jealous for our hearts. He wants to have a covenant with each one of us and with us as a people. And we turn away. But God sends his Holy Spirit in our hearts so that the hope for heaven, the power of heaven, can be living resident in us together. So that when we pray, we don't just have to say, I don't know, yes or no. I don't know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen. 
We know for a fact that God promises healing. We know for a fact that God promises reconciliation, that he promises restoration, that Jesus is going to return one day and all those promises will be made true and complete. And until then, we have a Holy Spirit inside of us that spurs us on to pray for those things to happen now. Happen now. So, what does that look like in our lives? I want to encourage you this morning that if if you're feeling like you have a divided heart, that there's part of you that um, wants good things and part of you that wants to turn away from God, that you find yourself struggling to pray for the kinds of things you ought to pray for, you find yourself struggling to live the kind of life that Jesus set aside for you, my encouragement is not just to pray more, but per, for, for you to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Be filled again, filled afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit who makes all of God's promises, yes, in Jesus Christ, true for you. So that's my encouragement this morning, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture says to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That every day we ask the Holy Spirit, come, fill my life, fill my heart, transform me. It's a gift that God freely gives, just like Jesus said. If you ask, I'll give it. Absolutely, no problem. That's my promise to you. So that's my encouragement for all of us today. I was on a phone call with with a man named Billy Ray. He's out in northern Iraq right now in a valley where he is the first Westerner to have ever lived in that valley. And he is a Christian. He's bringing the gospel there. And he's bringing the gospel by loving people who are in that valley, taking care of their needs. And he... God's given him um, favor with the ruling authorities there. And yet, over the last few months, they've lost over 80% of their funding for what they're doing there, for the work they're having, the work they're up to there. And when I asked him about this and his plans, like, what are your plans? In my heart, my, I mean, when I think about me being in that situation, I'd be making my exit plan. <laughs> like, okay, how do I safely get out of here? And he's like, no, there'll be some disappointed people. We might have to shut some services down, but we're staying here. Um, he has drawn a circle around that valley, just like Honey, and said, I'm not leaving this place until you bring God's kingdom here. And he does that because he's got the Holy Spirit in his heart that hopes for heaven, that knows that someday that's going to happen, and it might as well be during his lifetime. So he's staking his claim in that valley, saying, I'm not leaving here until your kingdom is made known, until every child has a home, until all the widows have jobs, until, you know, the war is not going on anymore that's sending people here, um, that, until all the health needs are met, until everyone knows that Jesus loves them and has died for them. He's staking a claim there. He's drawing his circle. So I don't know what that looks like for you in your life. What is the circle that you're drawing for yourself today? Where's the area where you're saying, God, your Holy Spirit, your kingdom come in this area, in this relationship. And I'm not leaving it until it does. Where's that in your life? Um, th- earlier this week, we, we, uh, had, we pray three times a week as a staff. Um, at least that's our predictable pattern of prayer. And earlier this week, Matt just started writing up uh, the prayer needs in this, uh, at this, in this congregation. And it filled up a whole whiteboard of prayers people who have 
uh, disease, people who have relationship issues, people who are um, struggling with one thing or another. Uh, pain was all over that board. And so I know that in this room, we all have areas where we want to see God's kingdom come. So um, I'm going to invite the band up, and we're just going to spend some time praying. And I'd like you to take out, these. Little, everyone got a little card with a circle on it. And I'd like to just have, this, have a time where we can reflect together and ask God, what, what am I drawing a circle around today? Where in my life, what relationships, what locations, what issues in my life am I staying in and, and praying for God, your kingdom come in this area? I want the super daily bread here now in this place. We're also going to ask you to come back and receive prayer. That might be a scary thing for some of you because maybe you've never received prayer. Or maybe you've never received prayer for the kind of thing you need prayer for. Uh, I just want to assure you that it's a safe place. And if it doesn't happen here, where is it happening? So we want to make sure that everybody in this place is prayed for. And whatever that takes, however long it takes, for however long it takes, we want to draw a circle around this room and say we're going to continue to pray until God's, until we die, <laughs> until we see the kind of breakthrough that happens or Jesus returns. That's, that's uh, our persistence in prayer. So let's pray for the daily bread today. Let's pray for that super daily bread, for God's kingdom to come here and now, because that's what he asks us to do. He asks us to say, I'm not satisfied with just um, surviving or just putting off um, God's work in my life until Jesus returns. But to say, um, I'm ready here and now, Jesus, make your kingdom known. Give us a foretaste. Give us a preview. Give us that little uh, pancake, <laughs> the, the, uh, the preview of what's to come so we can experience God's kingdom here and now. So let's uh, stand. We'll sing. There's going to be people back here when we start singing that um, are going to be free to pray for you. So I encourage you, please, come, come back here and we're ready to pray for you. Let's worship.